Hey guys, Anna Taylor of Anna Taylor Radio here. Would you like to know where to find me or listen to my podcast? It's easy. Just go to anchor.fm slash Anna Taylor Radio now. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Anna Taylor Radio or on TikTok, Anna Taylor Radio Now. On YouTube, you can watch my videos at Anna Taylor Radio Channel. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would be interested in being a guest on my show, please email me at Anna Taylor Radio at gmail.com. Hey guys, this is Anna Taylor of Anna Taylor Radio. Welcome back to a new episode. This episode is called The Homelessness Process. What to expect and how to get out of it. And what I'm going to be going over in this episode is basically what the homelessness process is and what to expect out of it. Um, And then steps to get out of it and what you need to do to find permanent housing. So it's a very important subject, especially for, um, because homelessness is on the rise, whether, you know, veterans or families or people being evicted left and right, you know, they lose their job, can't pay rent, whatever the case may be. There's millions and tons of cases, even domestic violence victims leaving abusive relationships. Um, So basically, uh, this affects a lot of people, a lot of people, and this is global actually but I'm going to be speaking specifically on the United States um, and what to expect here in the United States so if anybody's listening outside of the United States it might be a little different where where you're at but if you are in the United States then this is what you can pretty much expect um, so stay tuned and let's get into this here we go <laughs> Hello, hello, this is Anna Taylor of Anna Taylor Radio. So today's episode is called The Homelessness Process, What to Expect and How to Get Out of It. So basically the homelessness process is most times a three-step process or journey that someone takes to finding permanent housing. Um, Typically it's either parents with kids, mothers or fathers um, with children or domestic violence victims leaving abusive relationships or even veterans that end up homeless. Um, there's all kinds, there's literally thousands and all kinds of situations that uh, somebody can have as to why they become homeless. But basically, hopefully through this podcast episode, if you're listening and you're homeless or going to be homeless or becoming homeless or facing homelessness, I hope that this, this helps you. Um, so basically, let's start this. Uh, so you're homeless. Now what? What do you do? Where do you go? You know, some people, they live in their cars, but um, but you still need, you still need shelter. You need a place to bathe you know I mean that's an option but let's say you don't have a car where do you go what do you do who do you talk to what what do you do well first things first I would call which just FYI I have experience with this I left a domestic violence relationship of seven years with two babies a newborn and a one-year-old and I know this process firsthand which is why I know most of the information I'm giving you in this episode and um and let me tell you it is hard but you can make it through so first thing you do you want to contact your local or the nearest social services that you can find. Call them or go into the actual office there and ask for whoever the homeless coordinator is. Now, sometimes social services, they don't have necessarily a homeless coordinator, but they may have resources to organizations around you, whether locally or even regionally, that can help you um, find emergency shelters, which is your first step as emergency shelters, okay? 
that would be the first place that you're going to start. <clears throat> and basically, uh, I'm going to just go down one, two, three, and then we'll go over everything. So first is an emergency shelter. Second is transitional housing. And third is permanent housing. So with emergency shelters, here's what some things you can expect. So unfortunately, those with kids who become homeless, um, they do run the risk of social services stepping in or child services. Um, and it happens and it really sucks. I, if, if anybody has listened to any of my other episodes or follow me on Facebook or anything like that, you know, I'm anti-CPS. They are a failure. I was a foster kid myself and I've dealt with CPS and child services and I, I hate them with a passion. I hate them. They are a failure organization that enables child trafficking where they will take children and remove children who don't need to be removed out of their homes, okay, don't need to be removed out of their homes, which it's a rare few that actually do need to be removed, but the majority is removed and who don't need to be removed. But anyway, uh, then they put them in foster care. And what they do is they make the parent sign a quote unquote safety plan. From that moment on, they have their hooks in your kid and you. They can say and do whatever they please with your children, visitation wise and everything. They can even alienate you from your kids. And what they do is with their immunity through the family court system is they will terminate the parental rights of the parent just to turn around and adopt the children out for profit. Okay. So anybody who knows me, I hate CPS. So if at all costs, if you can keep CPS off your butt and out of your life and away from your kids, that is the best possible scenario. And let me tell you, um, depending on what state or city you're in, uh, there are many organizations and you know, sometimes you may have to move. You may have to relocate when you're homeless and it's, it, homelessness is hard. It sucks. You might not be able to stay in the same city you grew up in or that you want to be in. You might have to relocate and sometimes even hundreds of miles away, even into another state, depending on what's available for you or your family. Okay. But there are programs out there designed to help parents with their children Um, For example, here in Virginia, we have Safe Families for Children through Patrick Henry Services, which is a preventative to keep CPS's claws off your kids. So they pretty much help parents, which are mostly a majority of mothers, but they'll help fathers too and keep, you know, the kids safe in a, in a, what's called a safe home. It's not a foster home, but it's a safe home. Uh, These people volunteer and open up their homes to the children and keep the children for as long as needed, uh, as long, you know, as the parent needs while they go through their home hardship and then they the kids return to the parent you know when they find permanent housing so you know look for organizations and places like that around you regionally even out of state if you have to to um get help with your kids especially if you're homeless with children okay either way the first step would be to contact social services and see what resources they have ask for a homeless coordinator if they have one or if there's an organization that has a homeless coordinator if they have one so once you contact a homeless coordinator or a person that will help you find an emergency shelter then the next step is going to these emergency shelters or a emergency shelter and signing up or signing in to the shelter um make sure you bring your id social security cards even maybe birth certificate of you and if you have children um you know save all your documents and everything as much as you can um because you'll need those when you enter these emergency shelters now depending on your situation let's say you lost your job let's say you have no income whatsoever let's say you you left an abusive relationship and 
and you left with nothing, okay? Now would be the time once you entered this emergency shelter to apply for food stamps, apply to Medicaid, apply to even some jobs if you can. But first off, and I know it sucks being on welfare, but you know what? It's there for people who need it. And if you're in an emergency situation where you're homeless, you need it. So go ahead and apply for Medicaid, apply for for food stamps. And and, uh, even uh, here in Virginia, we have what's called TANF, which is kind of, it's not child support, but it's money to help support children, I think under the age of five or so. But, um, you know, see what your state has to offer as far as those resources go for income and and go ahead and get that ball rolling. Um, That way you have food and 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 healthcare and things like that um and you, and you get you know you get started to get ready to go into transitional housing so here's some things to expect in the emergency shelter though um like i said uh sometimes you run the risk of child services stepping in try to keep them away know your rights research them and know your rights with cps period even if you're homeless uh the next is uh kids who are school age typically have poor attendance and lower grades than those of their peers so unfortunately statistically it's true a majority of homeless children do have poor worse attendance and lower grade than those of their peers because you know they're going through a hardship so as hard as it may be try to send them to school keep their school up and you know if you can help them with school and their grades or maybe uh sign up get them a tutor or any extracurricular or after school activities that um maybe if if it costs anything you can apply to um maybe get them for free or whatever according to your financial status um that way you know they're more in school and less you know in the homeless shelter another unfortunate factor is when it's two parents with kids who become homeless they oftentimes get split up due to the lack of help for homeless men and this is sad um not many cities or states have programs or homeless shelters that accept or help men and it really sucks it really does um and it's unfortunate but that happens so what if you you are a husband and wife or a boyfriend girlfriend you're in a relationship whatever and you have kids together and you're wanting to stay together through this hardship what do you do well <clears throat> for one um which I'll go into uh transitional housing next and you know how to get in there but um let's say the mother uh with the children go into transitional housing well the male or the man is left out well he can stay in emergency shelter until they find permanent housing that's an option okay so at least he has you know shelter for that um but so emergency shelters are places for example the salvation army if anybody's ever heard of the salvation army where it's first come first serve your bed is not promised from day to day you must be there at certain times once they reopen to sign in if they have if they even have room some sometimes you have to stand in line and you get lucky if there's space you know once you finally get up to the front of the line <clears throat> and you'll be assigned a room or a bed okay um and also just to add especially in emergency shelters typically you have to be there at a certain time let's say they reopen at five you have to be there by no later than maybe six thirty or seven otherwise you can lose your bed um then in the morning uh you have to be out by like 7 7 30 7 45 a.m whatever their time is that they kick you out you have to be out period and at this point after that 
it's whatever you walk the streets do whatever whatever it is you need to do or you know if you have nothing to do you know that's why people sit on benches and and sit in different places and things like that um if you have a daily bread where you're at this is a place that serves breakfast and lunch for free to the community you can go hang out there you can hang out in parks things like that or be working on looking for work um you will also need to uh like i said apply to medicaid and food stamps if needed and sometimes living spaces are large open rooms with a multitude of other families and and they have cots to sleep on but then sometimes emergency shelters will have a quote-unquote family-sized room with maybe three to four beds that two to three families uh can share at a time so like when I went to emergency shelter I had a newborn and a one-year-old and luckily thankfully I had a room to ourselves. but we had like two two I think it was like three big beds in the room and then a crib but the only reason why they didn't add a family to our room is because my son had colic and cried constantly through the night so um otherwise we would have been sharing a room like everybody else and you share a bathroom and everything you share a bathroom you share a kitchen um you share the living space and everything um and then you have like laundry days and stuff like that so uh just to add in order to get into transitional housing you have to at least be uh homeless or considered homeless in an emergency shelter for 30 days typically 30 days to get on uh a waiting list for whatever program or transitional housing there is um so typically this is temporary housing transitional housing is temporary housing it's better than emergency shelters though um it's paired usually with a program that gets you off the streets and out of emergency shelters and into typically a unit of your own unit meaning it could be one or two adjoining rooms with a shared bathroom shared kitchen shared laundry area dining area um and living area meaning you share it with the other uh, with the other residents there and many transitional housing programs give you an allotted amount of time to be there which is typically around probably around six months to up to even three years now in cases of domestic violence um and I'm going to speak for the majority here I know men are uh there's men victims too and unfortunately there's not enough help out there for them and I really hope I want to be part of the advocacy to help find help for men too but <clears throat> I'm talking about women here um just because it's the majority but in cases like domestic violence um which uh domestic violence shelters are considered transitional housing um well actually they're kind of considered both emergency and transitional housing so like in an emergency yeah like you need to leave and they have space you can go to your local or regional or wherever you can get into a domestic violence shelter if they have a bed or room available um and then you stay there just like transitional housing until you can find permanent housing and typically they have programs that will help you um Um, So a a domestic violence victim will not have to uh, go to an emergency shelter, but rather, uh, depending, like I said, on space and beds at the domestic violence shelter, they can just, you know, go straight in without being on a waiting list. Uh, Like like I mentioned before, you know, in order to get in most transitional housing places, uh, you have to be on a waiting list. And in order to get on that waiting list, a requirement or requisite, prerequisite, is you have to be uh, legitimately homeless on the streets or in an emergency shelter for at least 30 days. So... If there's no room, then they can go to the emergency shelter till the uh, domestic violence shelter has space. So while in transitional housing, you will be working on finding work if if you need a job um, or, you know, some source of income, daycare if needed, and gathering and filling out and turning in uh, as many applications to low-income or subsidized housing or apartments that you can afford, that you can, um, and also added to any, uh, being put on any wait list that you need to be put on. Most low-income 
income and subsidized housing or even Section 8, housing has a wait list. And honestly, right now, especially post-COVID or whatever, whatnot, there's long waiting lists. And some places even have closed waiting lists because they have so many people waiting on the list that they had to close their list. I mean, it's horrible with the housing right now. It's just absolutely horrible. But anyway, that's that's the typical, you know, runaround is uh, you get on a waiting list if, if it's open. And basically, uh, you know, once your time is up, your name comes to the top of the list, they will contact you, whatever apartment waiting list you're on, and they'll ask you if you still need or want an apartment with them. And if you do, um, that's when you transition like I said, transitional housing. That's what it's for. Transition into where you get into permanent housing. And just FYI, which I'm about to mention, you know, the things to expect with permanent housing. Um, You know, while you're in, whether emergency housing or transitional housing, which transitional housing makes it a little easier on you to get your life together and get what you need together before you get into permanent housing. So that's way, that way it sets you up more for success. You know what I'm saying? Um, So while you're in transitional housing or, or whatnot, uh, you know, know you could be working you'll say you found a job working whatever income you're trying to get and saving up money because you're going to need that when you find permanent housing um so you got to save up for your for your apartment and um just to know at both emergency and transitional housing uh you will be assigned house chores that will change weekly and at times daily uh these chores may include cleaning the community kitchen the community bathrooms the community living room area sweeping mopping and so on uh with if you have small kids it can be extremely challenging because you have to attend your children at all times and it's really hard especially when you have toddlers like when I was in emergency and transitional housing I had to wear a baby carrier and hold my newborn while my toddler was running all over the place I'm trying to catch up with her and I'm trying to clean and get it over with and get their baths and get them to bed you know it's it's really hard It, it is it's challenging especially with young children so um just keep that in mind that you will have house chores to do because you know what do they say nothing in this life comes for free right so that's basically you working for your space there at the shelter um other things to mention with (laughs) whether it be emergency or transitional housing is visitors um they may have rules on visitors uh they have curfews like i said in and out you know uh especially with their emergency shelters you know you have to be there no later than like 6 37 p.m at night or else you lose your bed or room you have to be out by whatever time in the morning um transitional housing is a little different but they do have refuse you know you have to be in at a certain time some you have to be out of the house or of the the shelter at a certain time and some you don't the transitional housing that I went to with my children um you could stay there all day and um but you had to be back by like 8 p.m at night uh phone calls and internet time sometimes um it's mostly with transitional housing uh more so than emergency housing uh emergency shelters but transitional shelters or housing uh sometimes you get allotted a phone time um and internet time just to ensure that everyone all the residents within the house or the home or the place is getting their fair share of phone and internet time um you'll have your laundry days this is for emergency and transitional housing you get assigned a laundry day um whatever the day of the week they assign you and that's when in the only time you can do your laundry um you have to uh keep your space very tidy space or unit whether it be emergency shelter or transitional you have to keep everything tidy and put away and clean um you have to buy and bring your own food unless there's an outreach who treats you so um that like i said
said, while in emergency housing, if you need it, apply to food stamps so that way once you get your food stamps, you have food. Otherwise, you have to go to food banks and things like that to get your food until you get food stamps or a way to pay for food. Um, but, uh, for example, you know, when I was in the emergency shelter and also transitional housing, uh, sometimes uh, there were outreach programs that would come and uh, either, you know, sometimes Christian organizations would come and have like a Bible study night and bring pizza or they would uh, treat us to Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, things like that. Otherwise, we had to buy our own food and also um, prepare our meals and label our meals and food with our names on it so it doesn't get stolen by any other other residents. And sometimes even then, when you label your food, it still gets stolen. But anyway. Um, so, keeping track of your kids at all times. This is very important. Very, very important. Especially in emergency shelter. Because you, in emergency shelter, typically there's women and men. And these are strangers. Whether men or women. Okay? And you don't know who they are. You don't know if they're criminals. You don't know if they, you know, some of these people just got out of jail or prison and they got nowhere to go and they're homeless and they're there. You know, there's all kinds of people from all walks of life and you just gotta be careful and you gotta watch your kids, okay? Um, no, you gotta keep no conflict with anyone. You can't fight, you can't argue, uh, or get into a, a conniption with anybody because it just makes the living space and, and residency just kind of like bad, you know, bad vibes and toxic environment. Um, it's, it's hard for everyone. You're all in the same boat together, you know what I mean? You have the same goals. So, you know, there, there shouldn't be no reason for fighting and if, if you can't be adult about it, you know, walk away. It's that simple. Um, and some places, like I mentioned with domestic violence shelters, uh, keeping your location secret, especially in cases with domestic violence and uh, domestic violence shelters, they always, always, especially with the YWCA, um, you have to keep the location secret. You cannot tell anyone where you are living or staying at because it can put you and other residents in jeopardy. So yeah, definitely, you know, stick to the rule. Okay, moving on. So, all right, yay. You made it. The wait is finally over. You have made it to the top of the wait list to permanent housing. This means your name is up on the waiting list and uh, to one of many apartments or housing you have applied to uh, while being homeless. So, the wait is over. You find, so let's say, you know, an apartment contacts you. And so, at this point, um, it kind of moves very quickly. One reason, because, you know, there's other homeless people waiting to get into your unit or space and they need the space for other people. So once you found permanent housing or an apartment or a house or whatever, um, you know, it's time for you to go, you know, snap, snap, <laughs> like get to it, you know, and while you're in transitional housing, you should have been saving up money if you had income of any kind for, you know, like, uh, your deposit and first month's rent or even last month's rent if needed. Um, most subsidized and low-income housing places, if you're moving into those kinds of places, sometimes they'll subsidize your deposit and things like that, but you still have to pay a deposit and sometimes even first month's rent. So you should have been saving up for that. But if you don't have the money for that, hey, look for organizations locally, regionally, or around you, whatever statewide, that may help you with a deposit and helping you get in. Um, And also, uh, you will have to pay a deposit to get your electricity turned on. So you'll have to start up an account with the local electric company to get electric to your apartment. Um, You have to gather all documents needed for your lease. Make sure you have everything, okay, that they ask for. Even in, in my case, my I, I live in subsidized housing and when I did my lease, I had to give them the last five years of the addresses that I've lived at. Oh my God. I, it took me almost two weeks to research it because I couldn't remember all my addresses. A couple of them I could 
could, but a couple of them I didn't. I had to like go there personally and drive there just to look at the address on the mailbox. So make sure you have that available too, just in case. Make sure you have all birth certificates, all social security cards and ID- identification cards, um, everything, everything possible that you can think of. Um, and like I said, come up with a deposit first month's rent or last month's rent. You have to come up with a deposit for and set up your electric uh, with an electric company for your apartment. And then you have to pack everything you've been hauling. And also if you have put your, let's say you go homeless and you have all this stuff, where do you put it? Well, maybe you can put it in a storage unit if you can afford that. Or unfortunately, most people lose everything. I lost everything when I went homeless. So don't feel bad. You'll gain it all back. But when you move into your new permanent housing, your apartment, um, you'll have to find furniture to furbish your home. Now, just to note, many cities have uh, programs or churches or organizations who will help you furbish your home. You just have to ask for resources, call social services, reach out on Facebook or call local churches, things like that. Um, Or the transitional housing place that you're at might have resources to places that will help you furbish your home. Um, Once you get your electricity turned on, your lease finalized and keys in hand, it's time to move in and you're home. And uh, that's pretty much that. Um, And then try to keep your housing as best as you can. Follow the rules, follow the lease. Where I live at personally, our lease, boy, do we have a lot of rules and our landlord is strict. Okay. So do what you can, um, not to, you know, to follow rules, not to disturb neighbors, not to be too loud, blah, 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 you know, all that good stuff. Um, and be a good neighbor yourself and be thankful for what you have. Learn your life lesson that whatever the universe was trying to teach you, you know, so that maybe, you know, this doesn't happen again. Um, but know that there are, I'm telling you, no matter where you live in the United States, even if it's rural areas, like I said, reach out locally. If you can't do it locally, do it regionally. If you can't do it regionally, do it statewide. If you can't do it statewide, reach out outside of your state into another state. And sometimes if you have to, I'm telling you, there's millions of people that literally lose everything and have to relocate even hundreds of miles away, even thousands of miles away, even going from East Coast to West Coast, West Coast to East Coast. I'm telling you, it's a really hard process. But you know what? People get through it. Most people do anyway. And especially if you have kids, you know, you're going to get depressed. You're going to feel alone. You're going to feel down and, you know, low energy, whatever. But just keep fighting through it. If not for you, do it for your kids. Teach them and give them an example to never give up no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because you and your kids are worth it. And like I said, if if you're uh, still in a relationship with either your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, and you plan on sticking through this through thick and thin, like I said, while unfortunately there's not a lot of help for men, but you know, the woman with the kid or kids can go into the transitional housing and then once they uh, reach permanent housing, boom, you know, daddy can move in and y'all can be a happy family again. So there's lots of resources. There's lots of help. There's lots of support. Reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. I really hope that the information that I gave you in this episode helps you, um, you know, and helps you know what to expect, the process and everything, like I said, how to get out of it. Um, but just keep pushing forward. Do what you're supposed to do, okay? If you're if you're in the transitional housing and you're supposed to be looking for work and daycare and, and doing all these things and saving money for your deposit, whatever the case may be, do it. Don't sit on your butt and just let time pass you by, okay? Don't do that. There's people that do that and then when it comes time to get out, guess what? They're right back on the streets going through everything all over again. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be there. Or if you have kids, you don't want to put your kids through that. So, um, yeah, but, uh, I wish everyone the best of luck. Um, whatever you're going through or about to go through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, just reach out again. You are not alone. There's help. There's support. Okay. Just reach out, just reach out. Okay. My name is Anna Taylor of Anna Taylor radio. This episode was the homelessness process, what to expect and how to get out of it.
it. I appreciate all my listeners and all your support. Thank you. Stay tuned for some resources after these messages. Are you or someone you know being abused, whether that be an elder, a child, a woman, or even a man? Are you suicidal? Know that you are not alone and there is help out there. The domestic violence hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The national child abuse hotline is 1-800-422-4453. If you need more resources or support, I recommend looking up support groups on Facebook or heading over to the Project Storm Facebook page that's Project A Space and hashtag Storm and checking out Project Storm on Facebook or email projectstormemail at gmail.com. There is help. Reach out. You are not alone. This public service announcement is brought to you by Project Storm and Anna Taylor Radio.